Happy Father's Day, church. Another bright Sunday morning, and we're still in the pandemic, but we're alive and well. Uh, this morning, I wanted to look at God's kind of father from Genesis 18, looking at the life of Abraham. Where we pick it up, this is where God comes and visits Abraham, and two of the angels come, and uh, God is going to let him know that he's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says, Then the men arose from there and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very great, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. And then the men turned and went their way. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for today. We thank you for fathers, uh, Lord, for godly fathers that have guided us and helped us in our spiritual walk. Uh, Father, they might not have always been our physical fathers, but Lord, many of them uh, helped us as spiritual fathers. And Father, I ask you to bless the men of our church that are continuing that even to this day. Um, they may be grandfathers, aunts, I mean uncles, uh, uh, just friends, but they help the kids in our area to know Jesus. And so, Father, bless them because of that. Bless our church and help us to be more like you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. I'm reminded of a couple of my favorite Father's Day uh, stories, and one of them went like this. A fellow was relaying this, and he said that his young son had come to him and said, Dad, uh, what is God like? And how do you explain that to a small one? And so he took him by the hand and he said, Son, God is like sunshine and all the happy things that you love so much. And the little boy smiled and looked him deeply in the eyes and said these words. Well, God must be like you, Dad. He said he was so taken back that it didn't really cause... Uh, pride in his heart but he had to pause for a moment and offer a silent prayer because he remembered Jesus said God was like a father and he thought and I'm not nearly like God as much as I should be and he had to offer that prayer up if he thinks I'm like God help me to walk and be more like you Jesus and that's sort of the way most fathers uh, are like and I want us to understand that if you're going to be God's kind of father, that godly fathers follow Christ in all areas of their life. Godly fathers follow Christ in all the different areas of their life. We look at Abraham, and he's a good example because his, his life has a lot of good qualities that we need to have in our lives. And so I want to look at some of these about how to be God's kind of father or, or a godly kind of father. And so 
what was Abraham life? What was it characterized by? The first thing I see, it was characterized by proclamation. It was characterized by proclamation. And we find that in 17 and 18 and, and 19 of, of Genesis 18. And the men rose from there, looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations in the earth shall be blessed through him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken. And then you remember that when I'm talking about proclamation, that Abraham, uh, we when we meet him, uh, really God calls him in Genesis 12, and the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When I speak of, of a proclamation, there was a proclamation of God in Abraham's life. And God had a call on his life. And we need to remember that God has a call upon our lives. Now, for some, you may be at that crossroads just like Abraham was. Abraham was at a crossroads. Would he, would he answer God's call? Or would he refuse God's call? He could stay where it was comfortable. He could stay with what he had known. He could stay where it was safe. Or he could answer God's call and follow him to a land that he had never seen, that he did not know. And that reminds me that we have a call on our lives. Right now, some of you are resisting God's call. And when I say that, you're resisting surrendering to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And God is calling you to accept him and to know him through Jesus. Some have a call of other areas. Maybe you're to be a Christian business person. Maybe you're to be a Christian teacher. Maybe you're to be more faithful in service to the church. But you've experienced God's call. But let me tell you something. Lots are called, but not, not, not lots or not everyone answers. Some say no. Some turn away. Some refuse. And so it's not enough just to hear God's call. You have to answer God's call in the affirmative. And that's the second point. Not only did God call, but Abraham answered. He followed God. He left it all. His whole life, Abraham's whole life, proclaimed that God was his God, that God had a call, that he was to serve God, that he was to follow God, and his whole life was about that. It was one of relationship with God. And Abraham, his life was one of obedience and trust. Did he mess up? Yes. Did he sin? Yes. Was he perfect? No. Just like we are not. But his life was characterized by that proclamation. I have called you. You are to follow me. And God has called us. And have we answered? Do we understand that? Our lives should proclaim to others that we belong to God. 
fathers especially, our lives should show forth God's call upon our lives to our families to be the men and ladies, uh, uh, the women, Christians, if you want to, instead of just Father's Day, uh, the, to be the Christians that God's called us to be in our communities and especially in our families, to nurture, uh, to discipline, uh, to encourage, uh, to be gentle, to all those things that he's called us to do with our families should be evident also in our communities. When they look at us, so they see God's proclamation, this one is mine. If not, something's drastically wrong. But not only uh, do I see the proclamation, I see the promise. Because it says in verse 19, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham that which he has spoken to him. See, there's a promise there. The promise is based on God's word. Always realize God's word is sure. Everything that God had promised all the way from Genesis 12 to the end of his life, God kept his promises time and again to Abraham. He told me he'd have a son at 100, 25 years after he first received the call and the promise, he had a son. He told him that all of Canaan, everywhere he walked, up and down through the length and the breadth of that land, would be for his descendants, which would be as the stars of heaven and the multitude of the sea. And when they came marching out of Egypt, and after 40 years in the wilderness, they conquered that land, and it belonged to Abraham's descendants. God always keeps his promises. But it's not just God's word being sure. It's not just that God keeps all of his promises. It also requires our obedience. It said that they may keep the way of the Lord in righteousness and in justice, that God may bring about everything he has told or promised to Abraham. See, our part is to obey. Abraham's life, by and large, is characterized by obedience, and therefore he was blessed. It gives me a spiritual principle that God blesses no matter what. Because he's God and he's good. And he's good all the time. But obedience brings God's promised blessings. We need to understand that. We need to ask, am I teaching my children to obey? There's two things that I want us to understand. First of all, children by and large learn their obedience from their parents. And they learn how to obey God from their parents. How they obey you is how they're going to obey God. Especially fathers have that influence upon their children. But children also learn obedience to God by watching our lives. It's never enough to do as I say. It's always enough to do as I do. When they watch our faith walk, is our walk characterized by obedience? Do they see us pray? Do they see us praying with them and hear us? Do they have us reading God's word to them? Do they see us reading our Bible? Do we share with them not all the major decisions that children do not need to be involved in, but, but this is how I know it's God's will. He has spoken to me. And, and do they learn that obedience through our faith walk? 
See, they need to understand that God's word is sure from the way we live our lives. So I see the proclamation, I see the promise, and I see pleasing. What do I mean pleasing? Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And then he tells Abraham, I'm going to go down and look at Sodom. If it's so, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness. Now, I believe this was one of those faith tests for Abraham. What's he going to do? God knew what was in him. I'm not going to hide it because I know how he is. And how does Abraham respond? First of all, he was gentle. He gets down on his hands and knees and begins to pray for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now some have said, well, he's just praying for Lot and his family. Well, I'm sure he is praying for Lot and his family because they're living in Sodom and Gomorrah. I think he had already been praying for Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, worried about it. But he's also, because he's received the love of God, he doesn't want to see a whole lot of people destroyed, killed. He wants him to know the love of God also. And, and he begins to gently trying to persuade God. And see, that's one of his characteristics. He was gentle. He, he had a love for people because he had experienced God's love and call in his own life, but he also was gracious. You remember when Lot's herdsmen began to argue with Abram's, Abraham's herdsmen because there was too many in the land and there wasn't enough grass, and he told Lot, let us not be dissension between us or a fight between us. You look at the land. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. He didn't have to do that. He was the authority. He was the head of the clan. He was the big it. But in graciousness and humility, he let Lot choose. He didn't have to do that. It went against all the social norms of the day. It was his humility. It was his, his graciousness. And sometimes men suffer from not being gentle and not being gracious. We bark orders rather than plead. We growl rather than be gentle. It's sort of like the fellow who came home from work and he'd had a hard day. And he says, where's Johnny at? His mama said, Johnny was sent to bed. He was cussing. Oh yeah, I'll teach him to cuss. And as he's running up the stairs, he whips off his belt. And as he's trying to pull that, he gets tangled up. He falls on his shins. He scrapes his shins. And a spew of profanity comes out of his mouth. Which his dear wife at the bottom said, that's enough for his first lesson. Come on down. See, what do our children really learn from us? Do they learn gentleness? Do they learn graciousness? Do they learn the grace of God as we accept them for who God has made them as we don't try to mold them into something they're not? You know, it's great that we were, some of y'all were star athletes in high school. That doesn't mean our children are going to be. They might be just the opposite. And we still have to love them and, and realize they are precious treasures because of the way God made them. We don't have to remake them, but we do have to guide them. Even if they are star, star athletes, they need to be gracious and gentle. They don't need to be haughty and prideful. We need to understand that there's lessons of graciousness, of loving, of kind, godly spirit that they need to learn to understand who God the Father is. And they'll learn that from us men. Ladies, if your husbands aren't doing that, they'll learn that from you also. But I see proclamation, I see promise, I see pleasing, but I see prayer. Now, 
There are many examples in Abraham's life of prayer. I believe that his son, uh, Isaac, saw him pray many times. In chapter 15, he prays concerning this promised son, that God will complete that promise. In chapter 17, when Ishmael's going to have to be driven out and the son of promise is going to take hold, he prays for Ishmael and Ishmael's defendants. And here, he prays for Sodom and Gomorrah. And I want to say, prays for Sodom and Gomorrah? But yes, he prays for Sodom and Gomorrah. And what God really impressed upon me was, is this a strength in my life, prayer or weakness? If it's a strength in my life, it'll probably be a strength in my children's life. If it's a, in my grandchildren's life, if it's a weakness in my life, it's going to be a weakness in their life. And, and we have to answer, is it a weakness or is it a strength? And we need to work from there. But it wasn't just the example of prayer, it was the extremeness of his prayer. Sodom and Gomorrah, known to be wicked. Sodom and Gomorrah, that, that their cry was so wicked, it had risen up to God, and he's got to put a stop to it. And yet, Abraham starts with 50 righteous and works his way down to 10. If you can find just 10 righteous, will you spare the whole city, great city, just for the 10 righteous? And he says, yes, I will. In other words, he wrestled with God in prayer till God answered in a mighty way. Do we wrestle with God? Are we extreme in praying for others? There may be lost co-workers, lost friends, lost neighbors, lost family members that, that we need to pray. And shouldn't our children be praying with us about the condition of our uh, community, the condition of our state, the condition of our uh, country, the condition of the world? And should they not learn to pray for the missionaries, for those that serve overseas in the military, the, those that serve as helpers around the world? They should learn how to pray, listen to me, not just from the Sunday school teachers they have at church or from the deacons or from the pastor or the youth pastor or someone else. They should learn to pray from us, parents. It should be so natural that they just learn to pray. Do we understand that? The final characteristic that I see is probably the most important. I see the proclamation and I see the promise and I see the pleasing and I see the prayer, but I couldn't come up with a P for this one. I see the faith. Abram's faith shines through. Uh, he believed God and it was accounted to him to righteousness. He prayed so much, he walked with God so much, he was called a friend of God. In Hebrews 11, it talks about him being one of the fathers of the faith and speaking of his faith. And the examples, the call comes, go where you've never known, leave all behind. And he goes, faith. I'm going to give you a son. He prays again. He's still going to be, yes, I'm going to give you a son. He believes. And at 100, he has it, faith. Then the word comes. Take your son, your only well-loved son, Isaac, the son of promise, all the promises, all your life's work, tied up in Isaac. You go to Mount Moriah, to the mountain I'm going to show you, and you offer him as a burnt offering. You kill him up there and give him to me. And the next morning he gets up, and has to march three days' journey, never a falter, and he starts to, and God stops him. Faith. The lesson for us is our children need to be shown our faith. Our children need to be taught our faith and our children need to walk with us in our faith. That blesses them. 
We need to ask, are we doing that? Because when we do that, when we follow Christ in all the areas of our life, it blesses our families, it blesses our communities, it blesses our nation, it blesses our world. Some need to come and start your faith journey by accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. Some need to come and rededication. Some need to join the church or surrender and, and you need to get a hold of me and I'll show you how to do that. And, and we just need to talk about those things. So that when we're finally ready to meet, you can make your decision public. But are we going to be the people, not just fathers, the mothers, the aunts, the uncles, the people of God God wants us to be? And we need to have these characteristics if we're going to, because it'll help us to follow God in all the different areas of our lives. Because see, we tend to compartmentalize it, but our faith should encompass all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your day. and Thank you for your word and how it challenges us. Help us to live all of life for you and bring honor and glory to Jesus. Lord, continue to protect us, protect the doctors, the nurses, the first responders, the firemen, the police, the military, our missionaries overseas as they share your word as they serve in protecting us. Continue to keep our families safe, our church families safe from this pandemic. Lord, they're predicting dire straits and we're seeing those things happen. But we don't want to save way. Somehow, some way, if you can receive glory by stopping this in its tracks, do so. You be glorified. But you will be done in our nation, in our world. You cause us to pause and remember that you are God to be still and you will be exalted. So we wait before you, Lord. You be exalted. It's in Christ's name I pray. Have a good day. We'll see you next Sunday.